It's a show called Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron, we often ask people to send us questions to the show, and we got one, and it was a question that we decided we should turn into a show, and it's about investing in currency. Where do we want to start on this? Well, I think what we should do, first of all, is just define that we're going to be looking at three different types of of currency today. We're going to be looking at precious metal currency. We're going to be looking at fiat currency. And fiat currency is the dollar bills you have in your pocket. And we'll be looking at cryptocurrency. And we'll be talking about the pros and cons of investing in each and the risks associated with it. So uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover here in the next half hour. So let's start first with fiat currencies. As you say, they're the, the things you actually hold in your hands, the paper bills, if you will. Now, there are some important issues if you want to invest in, in fiat currencies. You have to understand that they're an eroding asset and that the longer you hold them, the more devalued they get. Canadian and U.S. currencies are trading at literally pennies on the dollar compared to where they were a century ago. Holding currency, in other words, taking bills and sticking them under your mattress, is, is not a good plan because each year they are devalued by the rate of inflation. So our buying power in 2022 is between 5 and 7% less than it was a year earlier just because we had 5 to 7% inflation, depending on whether you're in Canada or the United States. So if you're so sitting on a dollar, you're down to 95 or 93 cents, right? That's exactly right. So holding currency without investing doesn't make sense because some of your buying power just gets destroyed every year. And over multiple years, that punches a big hole in it. And isn't a big and, part of this too, Ron, how much of it they're printing right now? You know, in the United States, which is the, the statistic I looked up, and I think in Canada... It, it's not far off because we're printing money like there's no tomorrow as well. But between December 2019 and August 2021, uh, the U.S. money supply measured by M2, which is a measure of, of how much uh, currency is actually in, cir in circulation. Of course, you've got bill form, but you also have money in digital form moving back and forth. And the amount of money in circulation grew by $5.5 and that was up. 35.7%. Now, historically, if you're managing an economy and you don't want to see inflation, you increase the money supply by the rate of growth in the economy. So let's say the economy grows at 3% a year. Well, if you increase the money supply by 3% per year, you're not going to have serious inflation because the money supply is just matching the growth in the economy. But I can tell you last year, the economy did not grow by 35.7%. So the more money you get print, the less valued that money that's already in circulation becomes. It's, it's really that simple. Let's talk, okay, you mentioned that the U.S. and Canadian dollars have weakened, relatively speaking, over the last hundred years. Are there any currencies that are sort of holding their own or those that we might show more favor to? 
Well, you have to understand that currencies tend to move in long cycles, and the Canadian dollar is down 35% from its peak of $1.06 in 2011. And we've had two other bear markets between 1976 and 1986 and 1991 to 2002, where we've seen similar declines. So you have to understand that currencies move against one another regularly, and they tend to move in long cycles. So the strongest currencies today aren't necessarily going to be the strongest currencies tomorrow. And if you look at the top 10 last year, uh, the Kuwaiti dinar was number one. The Bahraini dinar was number two. Number three was the Omani Rial. Number four, the Jordanian dinar. Number five, pound sterling. Number six, the Cayman dollar. Number seven was the euro. Number eight was the Swiss franc. Number nine was the U.S. dollar. Number 10 was the Canadian dollar. And, of course, virtually the first, the top six, or top five anyways, nobody would have guessed. But we had a strong Well, I had a big bump energy. in oil, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, you, you nailed it, Gord. These, uh, you know, Kuwaiti, Bahraini, Omani, these particular countries were pumping a lot of oil last year. And, of course, as oil prices went up, um, these guys went from a deficit spending to surplus. And their currencies uh, had a very, very strong year. Now, will that be the same in 2022, 2023? Well, it could go on for a while. But here again, some of these currencies didn't move necessarily on underlying fundamentals as much as they were driven by a rising oil price. So half of the currencies on this list uh, are impossible to invest in because they're so illiquid. And sometimes things just seem coward or intuitive, like the pound sterling. With all the problems they've had with Brexit, who would have ever guessed that uh, they outperformed the euro, the Swiss franc, the U.S. dollar, and the Canadian dollar last year? So uh, you've got to be very careful when you're investing because uh, some of these currencies, like the first four on our list are so illiquid that they're virtually impossible to get in and out of. So you don't necessarily want to be there anyways. And some of them have been so counterintuitive. Not many people I know of were placing big bets on the British pound last year. So there have to be implications here if you're, if you're going to invest in fiat currency. And what should we be watching? What are the warning signals, Ron? Well, currency traders are seldom right on their predictions of currency movement and duration. If you want to have a good laugh, I always go and listen to last year's predictions just at the very end of the year when they're getting currency traders on and asking them to predict what's going to happen in both direction and duration of various currencies. And often, you go back, you'll have a good laugh because they're so seldom right. So... Because they're so seldom right, how do you buy currencies? Well, what I've done is I do what's called dollar cost averaging. So I want to have a certain amount of my portfolio. And in my case, it's about a third of my portfolio right now is international. So I have some stocks in British pounds. I have some stocks in euro. I have some stocks in in Asia, I have uh, the bulk of it in, in the U.S. I have some Swiss 
um, like Nestle and a few other uh, Swiss stocks in my portfolio. And so typically what I've done over time is I dollar cost average. If the stock goes down, I buy a little bit more of that currency and put a little bit more of it to work. And so over time, I get a good average price. You know, I think my average cost on all the trading I've done, I went back and looked at it a couple of years ago, so it's not accurate today. But I've been investing in the U.S. for 40 years. And my average cost of U.S. dollars is right around 80 cents, where the dollar is right now. So, you know, if you go back and look over 40 years, the U.S. Canadian dollar has been anywhere between about 60 on the low and a dollar six on the high. And so my average of 80 is right smack in the middle. And I just want a good average price because I'm not buying currency to make big moves or make my money on the currency moves. I'm buying into the U.S. dollar so I can take advantage of some of their high growth international stocks that are hard to replicate here in Canada. And so by buying on a regular basis, I've got a good average price. So what about buying, we talk about inflation, and it's reared its ugly head, as we've been warning about for quite some time on making money. How do you try to stay ahead in that part of the game? As you so rightly put it, inflation is your biggest enemy if you're just holding currency. That's why I'm not a big fan of just trading the currencies or trading futures contracts underneath currencies. When I convert to a currency it's with the intention that I'm going to buy an investment in that currency that will grow and that will grow faster than inflation. So real estate fills the bill. You know, for example, if you want to buy a retirement place in Grand Cayman or maybe on the Algar in Europe or maybe you want to buy a place in Hawaii, you want to buy something that typically will grow faster than inflation, or you want to buy some stocks in any of those currencies. You, you want to buy something that if you're going into the currency, you're going to get um, like turbocharging an engine. Put that money to work on something that will grow faster than inflation. That's where the opportunities are. Okay, so buy investments in a currency that you're going to use. Would that be smart? Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of people um, don't make plans for where they'd like to retire. So if you'd like to retire in the U.S., buy some U.S. dollars. If you plan to retire in Japan, buy some yen. If you're going to retire in Europe, buy, buy some Europe. You yeah. know, And so if you do it over time, you're going to get an average price. I know so many people that, for example, wanted to retire in the U.S. But at their time of their retirement, um, the Canadian dollar, U.S. dollar ratio was so bad that your Canadian dollar just wasn't buying you anything in the U.S. So they deferred their plans and decided, well, we'll just stay in Canada. Well, that's okay, but you don't have to do it that way. If you start on a regimented basis buying ahead of time so that you've got a good chunk of euro, you've got a good chunk of U.S. dollars or, or yen or wherever you happen to want to go, so that when it's time to retire, currency is not a consideration. It's whether you still want to go, whether the, your health is, is strong enough, whether you have the interest. 
So it doesn't boil down to dollars and cents. So if you want to retire in the U.S. especially, because that's where a lot of Canadians go during the winter, start accumulating investments in U.S. dollars so that when you do retire, you don't have to convert all the time. You can just start by uh, living off the dividends of your U.S. portfolio or slowly starting to sell something or profit take and then using some of that currency uh, to pay some of your expenses. Okay, so that's talking about fiat dollars. Let's talk a little bit about precious metals. And we've covered investing in gold on the show before, but let's sort of recap. Benefits and and distractions. Okay, first of all, you have to understand that coins trade on the underlying value of the metal in the coin. So even if a coin says, uh, you know, some of the the minted coins will say that they, they, they have a specific value on them. But at the end of the day, if you've got a one ounce coin, what will determine its price, and you have, for example, a gold coin, the value of an ounce of gold is going to pretty much determine the value of that coin. There are exceptions. There are some coins which have what we call numismatic value, and that is a value that is reflected in the rarity and the quality of the coin. So there's coins that are minted that have very, very limited runs, or they're very old coins, and you can see them trading in value far above the underlying metal content that they have just because collectors want to own them. Isn't that the old 30, was it the 36 dot, the penny, the Canadian one? Yeah, 36, exactly. 39, something like that. Very rare coin, very valuable coin, right? And so numismatic value, I mean, if you want to buy coins, I've got some gold coins. And I, as I've, I've mentioned um, over the years on on this Making Money show and the podcast is that I bought coins on a regular basis. If they go up, well, that's going to be great. But if I don't use them in my lifetime, I'll, I've got four kids. I'll put them in four different stacks and give it to each of my kids so that they'll have a little bit of protection uh, later on. So, you know, uh, I've been buying regularly for them. And since precious metals are priced in U.S. dollars, uh, you literally have to be conscious on, on what the greenback is going to do as well uh, when I'm buying these coins. But I also look, as I say, at the, the numismatic value. And some coins I've had that I've had for as long as 20, 25 years, and they're trading at considerable value above the, the coin itself. So uh, you can make additional money if you're smart enough to pick which coins are going to be valued by collectors down the road. The other thing is, too, these are pretty subject. They're open to real wild swings, too, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at between 1971 and 2019, and, of course, if you listen to the gold bugs or listen to some of the gold reports, they're going to tell you that over that period, um, which is uh, 48 years, that gold had annual returns of 10.6%. And, of course, they went right from the bottom uh, to right to the very top. Now, gold's 10-year return is about a third of a percent per year. That's a third of a percent per year, and its one-year return is minus 4%. So gold is one of those assets that the gold bugs say you just put away. And if you do, you don't want to make a one-time purchase. You want a dollar cost average because it's really, how well you do is really going to depend on when you bought it. If you bought it early in the 70s, you would have done terrifically. 
if you bought, for example, 10 years ago, well, it hasn't gone anywhere. So you've lost ground, even even with inflation. So, you know, if you're going to buy and hold for long periods, then buy on a regular basis. So you're buying at the peaks and you're buying at troughs, so you get a good average price. Um, but if you're a trader, well, this is not something you walk down the aisle with. You've got to pick your lows and then sell uh, when the opportunity comes and you get a spike in the price. As you say, these are priced in U.S. dollars if you're buying coins. So a little caution there. Any tool that you use in that regard? Well, if you have U.S. dollars, buy the coins in that currency so you're not taking any currency uh, risk. And uh, a good website, if you're just looking for coins and uh, things like uh, bars, is silvergoldbull.com. I often go there just to look at what the prices are doing. And uh, that has been a pretty good website to get an overall feel of the market. And if you have Canadian dollars and are concerned about the U.S. dollar dropping against the Canadian dollar, I mean, the last thing you want to do is convert money to U.S. dollars, buy gold, and then watch the U.S. dollar take an elevator uh, ride down because you've converted and you're, you're losing money as soon as that happens. You're getting beat so twice. You can, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So you can buy a gold exchange-traded fund that hedges against the Canadian dollar going up. In other words, it buys insurance policy and protects the U.S. dollar from going down and you're losing money on the currency. A good example is the iShare Gold Bullion Canadian Dollar Hedged ETF. The symbol is CGL, and I've owned that one for years, and uh, buy it when it gets cheap, just simply because of the fact that if I have some Canadian dollars and I don't have any U.S. dollars available when gold's at a good price, uh, the ETF, the Canadian ETF, is a good proxy because I don't have to worry about converting. And uh, as I said, buy gold coins over time and stick them away. Eventually, all this money printing, it's going to result in the inflation that we're starting to see now. Okay, the other area now is crypto. And it just recently, within, what, the last week or two, we've had, we had a big drop in crypto. I think like over a trillion dollars got wiped out. So yeah, this, is, this is not for the faint of heart here. No, like you say, volatility is enormous in crypto. So that's one thing that's kept crypto from being used to pay bills. How do you know what the crypto is going to be worth if you're going to buy a car a month from now? I mean, crypto in the last year has been well over $60,000 and it's been in the low 30000 So, you know, you've seen a movement in that currency of, of literally 50%. So um, crypto is extraordinarily volatile. And as far as safety, well, unless you know what you're doing, you can have your currency stolen from your digital wallet. So... You're getting so many people that are wide-eyed with the prospect of making money that they rush out and buy uh, cryptocurrencies, and they've never studied the safety measures that they need to take to make sure that those currencies don't get taken from them. So there's some big risks, and unless you understand how to safely store these things, you shouldn't be buying them. Well, and, it, and just to follow that, Ron, I mean, in the la the Bitcoin was the one that we all heard of in the beginning, and we still hear about it. But now all these other people have come to the party. Is there any end to how many of these things there are going to be? Well, it seems endless. I mean, yeah. at the moment, there's 75, last time I looked, there was 7,500 cryptocurrencies, and more are being added every day. 
and I was listening to a podcast from an expert on how to buy crypto, and he was saying that if, if an investor is lucky, only 5% of all these cryptos that have been manufactured will ever go up. And so the question boils down as are you smart enough to know which ones are going to be among that 5% or are you going to be stuck with a portfolio of stuff that goes either nowhere or down? And so for the answer for me is, you know, unless I'm, if Bitcoin gets really cheap and you want to buy it as a trade or Ethereum or some of the other big guys, some of these smaller currencies, you just don't know what their survivability is going to be. And as we've mentioned, a country like China has said, no go. We, we don't want these part of our financial system. They've canceled it, right? Yes, and I think we're going to see other countries doing the same because crypto poses a huge risk to the country's ability to control its financial system. So when it prints the money that you use, it has control of, of interest rates. It has control of how much money is printed. It has control over the debt. But once it leaves their hands, people, let's say everybody converted to Bitcoin tomorrow. Well, all of a sudden, the country is not able to control inflation. It's not able to control its financial system. And there is not a politician that I know of on the planet that wants to lose control of their ability to print money control interest rates, and have levers which will control the economy. So there's some big political risks out there, and governments are not exactly thrilled about the idea of the crypto because of the threat it poses to them, and, of course, to their ability to control their own financial system. Well, all of the advertising that you're seeing on television these days, there are numerous ads for cryptocurrencies. Invest as little as a dollar. That Play with a small amount. Is that the way to get in this if you're going to get into it? Exactly. If you decide that you want to trade, I mean, I would consider it like, especially the smaller cryptos, is like an afternoon going to the track or a weekend junket to Vegas, is play with smaller amounts, play within your, your uh, limits so that you're not investing enough that you're going to get damaged. And uh, secondly, you know, cryptos and unregulated, and uh, it's very susceptible to be stolen. So you're going to need to spend some time learning about how to protect it safely. Also, most people know nothing about crypto. And I read, I've read num numerous books on it, and I've taken online seminars, and I still don't fully understand it. I'm in and the same boat. I've read so many articles, I'm trying to get my head around it, and I just can't get there. <laughs> Well, and, you know, there's a lot of people that you see that are touting uh, crypto in commercials. And frankly, you listen to what they say, and there's some, there's some significant things that they're saying, which frankly just, just, aren't, um, just aren't investment facts. And so I'm going, if I've spent lots of time trying to understand it, and I don't fully understand it, and I'm listening to these people touting it, I wonder how many of them really understand what's going on as well. So, you know, be careful who you go to as an expert on crypto, because I don't really think there's that many of them. I think a lot of people are just looking at it as another afternoon at the track or a weekend in Vegas, just something that's really moving right now that they're making a, a speculative bet on. 
I think too the the other thing that we could and I noticed that there are ETFs starting to pop up in this in this part of the market, right? Yeah, is that, is that been, another way to go? That's another way to go. Now, buying an ETF or mutual fund if you want exposure to crypto. And uh, right now, the only funds that are available by the futures contracts, and I would stay away from those. But over the next few months, we're going to see regulators on both sides of the border um, approving a number of product offerings where you're, you're going to actually be able to own uh, the crypto itself. And I think these are the ones to look at because at least you've got an expert who can protect your money and also that can wade through all these cryptos and determine what's the best bet over the longer term and maybe even trade them. So. For most people, I think an ETF or mutual fund makes a lot more sense if they want exposure to the sector of the market. So there you go. Investing in currencies. Uh, not not something that you should dabble in if you don't really know what you're doing. Some pointers that Ron has uh, offered up to you today that you can consider. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, as my grandfather used to say. But uh, do so with caution. All right, Ron, we're back next week. We're going to take a look at uh, an area of the world that we all have focused on over the last couple of decades. We've been watching the Chinese in different forms and how their economy has gone and what they've done to shape the world economy. We're going to touch on that in our next episode of Making Money. Remember, if you have a show suggestion, you can pass it along to our website at letsmakemoney.ca or also through the cfcw.com portal. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll talk to you next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.